Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, episode number nine. I'm Michael Citro, your host, and this episode I'm joined by Mark McCrite, Don Schiff of the progressive rock band Rocket Scientists. Mark and Don represent two-thirds of Rocket Scientists, along with Eric Norlander, who couldn't join us for this uh, interview. But uh, Eric plays keyboards and is a producer. He's very uh, instrumental to the sound of this band. Don and Mark joined me to talk about Revolution Road. It's a double album that came out in 2006, 15 years ago, almost uh, exactly. So it was a great time to revisit that album. It's one of my favorite Rocket Scientist records, and, uh, not the least of which because it's got a lot of songs on it. This interview took place in mid-March 2021, and hopefully you'll find it interesting, and hopefully you'll check out Revolution Road by Rocket Scientists. Let's get to that interview now. Here we go. All right, welcome to another installment of Michael's Record Collection. I am very happy to have with me this time Mark McCrite and Don Schiff of the Rocket Scientists. We are celebrating... 15 years since the release of Revolution Road, double album. And uh, hey, guys, thanks for uh, giving me some of your time tonight. Our sure. pleasure. So I want to go back to uh, before the album was recorded. And uh, this was a pretty long gap for Rocket Scientists between um, the previous album and this one. What was the, uh, that period like for you guys as a band? And what sort of jump-started the the process for for starting on this album you want me to take oh, it or you go first don <laughs> uh let's see 15 years ago uh and there was a gap before i think uh, that was at a time when um we each had a bunch of different projects going on and it kept us busy and then we thought we'd get back together and let's think of a concept and um mark and eric just got right in the way and wrote up a storm and then we, we started putting it together and it was kind of like a, a reunion again. It was really nice to get back together. I actually did some, some thinking about this and um, it's in around uh, 19 or in, no, not 19, in uh, 2002, um, I had finished up a solo album and uh, Eric was working on stuff. Dom was working on stuff. Like he said, we had a lot of things going on. Lana Lane had things going on. And, uh, you know, we felt like it was time to come together again. And um, I had uh, started working at this place uh, called Line 6, which makes music products. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a guy working there named Sean Guerin. And uh, <clears throat> he's an amazing drummer. Uh, his dad was in the Wrecking Crew. And uh, just, uh, it, was, it was really cool. And he was really into prog music. And so he and I and the founder of the, of the, uh, uh, of the uh, company uh, would do like you know basically all of our parties were like big jam sessions and so the very first party we had sean and i and the uh, uh founder of the company and another guy did carnival nine i actually posted it on my youtube uh, uh page the other day and uh it was really cool really got along with sean but when it was time for rocket scientists again we decided to pull sean in and we had a show um i think it was in 2000 we, we did a show in 2002 with Nick DiVirgilio on drums. And then I think we did a show in 2004, maybe uh, at uh, in, in Thousand Oaks at the Performing Arts uh, uh, Center there. And, um, and uh, so, you know, we were starting to pull things together. We worked up one of the songs that ended up on uh, Revolution Road, Better View for one of the live shows. 
and uh, we recorded it and everything. It was really cool. And um, unfortunately, Sean was going through a lot at the time and Sean took his own life. God bless. Um, it really just kind of took the wind out of our sails. And we had all this music that we were working on and we had all this momentum. We finally had settled on a drummer that we felt like was a good fit and like a member, not a session player. And uh, it just kind of threw us for a loop. And it took us a couple of years to kind of get it back together and, and work things up. Um, I had given Eric a, a CD called Unfinished Business, uh, June 2002. They had like, it, it had, I think I counted like nine or 10 of the songs that ended up on Revolution Road, just my own demos and some covers and like five songs that didn't make it and stuff like that. And uh, then in the ensuing years after that, after uh, Sean um, was was not with us anymore, um, uh, Eric had pulled some stuff together, Don had written some material. And so that was why we had so much that we decided to make it a double album. And of course, we, we mentioned Eric. It's uh, of course, Eric Norlander keyboards. Uh, too busy to be with us uh, tonight. He actually did respond to me on Facebook, though, and apologized for not being available. Um, apparently, very, very busy guy. And uh, yeah, so, sure is. <laughs> um, what is I give it like? a little insight to that. We're actually working on uh, on uh, finishing up a uh, live recording of us uh, at our, our farewell show from Prague Stock. And uh, so uh, he's been editing video, mixing audio, stuff like that. It's just been kind of sitting on the shelves for a while. And we're finally getting around to, to doing that. That's one of the things he's working on. And then, as you know, uh, Lana Lane, his wife, uh, just got a uh, new record deal with Frontiers Record. And they're, they're yeah. starting to work on that as well. Great. Was the writing for this album, Revolution Road, was it the same as, as pretty much the previous albums do you guys come in what is the process do you come in with demos do you write together how does that work well for me i usually come in at the end uh, the writers are generally mark and eric and and i add my little twist if i have one um basically then i bring my stick ideas base ideas right ns stick or chapman stick i think as i'm looking at the uh at the titles i think that was all ns stick and, and i play on it and uh, give it that character. Um, that would be well, my. You, you brought in two of your own songs there as well, Don. I, I did. What did I do? Inside the painting wall, painted walls. Oh, and then I did that and <laughs> contributed nicely. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> what was the other one? Painted walls and outside the painted walls and hold that thought. Hold That okay. Thought was the one where I remember it's like, I still can't count that song. Uh, <laughs> and, and we, had, we had Greg Bissonette playing drums and he, uh, uh, I remember Don sitting out there on a stool right next to Greg while he's playing oh, that song. And, right. uh, you know, it's like we'd try bits and go back and forth. We had it all charted out and everything, thank God. And yeah. uh, Greg was really amazing. But I remember you guys were just like cracking each other up. Oh, yeah. It was funny. With drummers, um, 
over the years, I've learned to adjust my sense of where I feel time. And it's kind of like a clock. And there's every once in a while, a few drummers, Greg Bissonette, Greg Elvis, Sean Garen was another one that we just naturally feel that. And I know they do the same thing too. And other people, you just go, okay, they're always on top of the beat. So I will make that my center of gravity feel. But uh, yeah, the Greg Bissonette was a lot of fun. It was like, you start to play with somebody and you go, oh, they get where I'm at. This is really, really good. Kind of a, a funny, gleeful feeling. Like, I don't have to adjust to anybody. This is such a pleasure. This is great. And mark yourself you have an outstanding sense of rhythm and time that it's just like, oh, hey, we lock in, this is easy. And if there's a little, uh, sometimes you play with somebody and it gets a little loose, you go, uh, cue into Mark, because he's just rock solid with rhythm. A pleasure, Mark. So you had more, I mean, obviously you have more songs because it's a double album, but more instrumentals, I think, than you guys normally have. You normally do the the thing where you you pick somebody's name out of the astronomy uh you know history and, and you, you those are the scientist songs yeah exactly yeah. and but but this one had had several in fact a very long one to to close the album out which to me when i when i listen to uh the album i was listening to, to it uh, just yesterday when i listened to after the revolution i always thought this would be this would be a song that i thought you know might have some limited vocals at some point and it did was that ever you know, in the mix for that? Or was that always an instrumental? I think it was always an instrumental. Um, you know, that was one of Eric's. I remember hearing the, uh, you know, him talking about it and hearing the demo and what we were going to play on and thinking just like, really? I mean, can we keep in interest for that long? And just <laughs> with every time around, it was like there, we had something different to say. And uh, it, it, I'm really pleased with how that one came out. You know, uh, just different kinds of solos, different kinds of... Uh, diversions and what have you and and uh, I really I really like that one I'm not sure if I actually had a musical contra I mean a uh, writing contribution to that song or not I listened to one section and those sound like my chords but I, I, I'm not sure it's definitely uh, uh, Eric's brainchild <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the recording process for this album. Was it all done um, in the same place? Did you guys uh, record stuff on your own and send send it in? How did that come together? Yeah, where did Eric we and I had initially got together at his studio. He had a, a studio in the Valley in Chatsworth for a while, and we did all the demos there. Some of the tracks ended up getting uh, used um, for the final record. And we did all of the drum tracking and uh, uh, some of the vocals at Steve Vai's studio, The Mothership in Laurel Canyon. And uh, I think I think there was also some overdubs that were done at um, at uh, at Eric's home studio later. Uh, so it was kind of a combination of, of those things. Was that the Walden West? Yes. 
the Walden West recorder. I yeah, uh, <laughs> I like that. That was a, one of the best studios. That was nice. You have 18 songs here. Were, were there, was that the number you went in with? Were there more? Did you add some as you went? I mean, how did the, how did the tracking come together for this? Um, well, like I said, that, that CD that I gave Eric, um, Unfinished Business, it was called. <laughs> and it was just like bits and pieces of stuff. And I, uh, the stuff that was on there, the first song, Look Up, Sky is Falling, Dream in Red, Better View, Forever Night, uh, Castles Fall, Enjoy the Weather, and Eden Burns were all on that. Um, I had always wanted to do that Moody Blues song, and we had worked up a demo of it a long time ago. Uh, uh, and then... Um, so, I mean, we kind of got started with that stuff. And then, like I said, when we got derailed with, with Sean, I mean, I know that Eric had stuff as well at that time, but we hadn't really started working on it. And then when when that we got derailed, uh, when we got back together, then Eric brought in a lot of stuff. Don brought in his two songs and it's kind of like, and I, I only had one more contribution, which was Savor Every Moment, which was kind of a last minute addition. But so I kind of got the ball rolling early on and then, you know, pulled back and the other guys uh, made their contributions a little bit later. I think for my uh, two contributions, I think I recorded a lot of that stuff in my home studio and sent some tracks in. Um, I could be wrong. I, I don't, I don't, I, they're kind of complicated and I can't imagine that I would put them together with a bunch of people standing in the room going, oh, how's that working? So I think I thought a lot of it out at home and sent it to Eric and then Eric brought it in and um, maybe I did some extras when we went to the other studios. I do remember going to Steve Vai's. I think that is, I think that's where we recorded outside the painted walls. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and it, um, you know, I think I had just kind of, uh, I just had a lot of stuff left over from when I did my solo record and I was kind of just in a really creative phase. Eric had just done, or he right around the same time, he did another double album. So a lot of his material was going into Music Machine, stuff with Lana, that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Revolution Road, the title track is one of Eric's and that was, I think that's one of the strongest tracks on the album and definitely a uh, kind of a staple of Rocket Scientist. When it comes to the production side, um, you're putting the album together. Are you guys sort of democratic? Does somebody have a voice that's a little bit louder than the others? How does that work when you're discussing maybe how something should end up as a final product? I usually default everything to Mark and Eric. Um, I default everything to Eric. Definitely, that's a decision. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it just comes out sounding so good. Yeah, it's just I, I, I uh, Eric is a great producer and um, I enjoy that kind of a thing, but I'm, you know, it's like he's just he's really good at it and I defer to him and I think it's important for a band to have a strong vision so he's kind of like the, you know, the Jeff Lynn keeper of the vision and the sound and the identity of the band um, and I'm, I'm real happy with that. Yeah, I couldn't be happier either on other albums I've ever been in. I always feel like the, of course, playing the uh, low end of all the instruments. I always feel like, well, it's not loud enough. And Eric <laughs> always just finds the, the perfect slot. It, it's always at the proper volume. And I feel the intensity of what I intended. So why not? I have no complaints. Do either of you have a favorite track on this album? 
Oh, I I have several. Uh, I really liked uh, Dream in Red, and I have to look at them all. Uh, and uh, Revolution Road. Uh, I think those would be my. Oh, Sky is Falling. That was. Oh wait, and Better View. <laughs> so those, yes. But wait, there's more. Uh, I, I'd say yeah. Better View is is my favorite. I mean, I think it's kind of a. It was definitely a personal, uh, I, one of the things that was different about this record is I started writing more lyrics. Um, I used to just like Eric wrote all of the lyrics up until this record. And uh, uh, so Better View and Savor Every Moment were both um, yeah. uh, mostly mine. And uh, uh, Better View, I just really, that one I feel like really came together. It was one of the, uh, um, I don't know, it's just one of my, one of my favorites. Behind the saddest eyes, one thing is always true. It's really not so hard as it may seem. The silent prayer I made but never said to you. May it find the way into your dreams. That As far as the other ones, uh, uh, I I'd say maybe uh, maybe Revolution Road. That's um, that's definitely the rocker on the album. I think um, that and Dream in Red and the Sky Is Falling. I mean, there 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 are a couple of really good rockers on the album. But you know, I, I kind of enjoyed the more atmospheric pieces. In fact, when I when this album came out and I was doing my radio show at the time, I probably got. Uh, a little in the habit of playing better view and enjoy the weather, which is uh, just an amazing, lovely track and, and surprisingly long for, for what it is, but I really enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed, enjoy the weather. So uh, I played it quite a bit uh, where, you know, what was the genesis of that one? Um, <laughs> that was another personal one. The, the original, well, I guess the original lyrics, the, the verse, the first verse, at least, is like my original lyrics as they as they were, and it was, it was just kind of about um, reflecting on a relationship that went wrong and realizing that it was all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Eric kind of genericized it to make it more uh, universal. Um, what I thought was really cool about that song, I think this was Eric's idea, is that with every like verse and every time around of the song, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And it was kind of the feeling that your time is running out. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting idea. Um, there's like a kind of a left turn in the middle of the song, which was uh, a whole different demo of a different song that we, and we ended up smashing them together. That was uh, Lana's uh, brother playing accordion on that. Um, Another interesting thing is that that was my bass playing debut on the record and Don plays lead stick. So kind of a different different kind of vibe for that one. 
Yeah, really. When you look back at this album, it's 15 years later, it's hard to believe it's been that long. What stands out to you during the recording process? Uh, you know, any, was there anything in particular that you guys couldn't quite nail down or, or anything that kind of came together really super easy that surprised you? For me, the, the, the tunes that I, I brought in, uh, what always re reminds me, like I said before, of how easy it was when you have the right players and uh, you present your project and complex time. And uh, I, I don't ever recall anybody struggling with it. It just was really nice, really nice recording, really nice going to all those different studios that we had. And I just remember, it, at least for me, it's pretty easy. I didn't put most of it together. I just played my stick parts, but it's a great, great sessions. The drums uh, were really interesting in that uh, initially, uh, that's actually Sean Guerin playing drums in the middle of Better View from the one performance that we did with him, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of ironic because the subject matter and, and how that all played out is, is, uh, is an interesting juxtaposition. But, um, but it, it's really cool uh, hearing that that's actually him. It's actually a live performance that we like flew in. And then the rest of the drums on that track are Simon Phillips because Eric was doing a uh, um, he was doing a project, some other kind of project with Simon. Um, I think it was sampling things and what have you. And and uh, they were working together. And so he ended up getting him to play on that. And then when we were thinking about, well, what happens with the rest of the record? Um, we got Greg Bissonette and Eric had worked with him on some other things before. And it was just it was really impressive because, you know, they're complex songs. It's a double album. There's a lot of stuff. And so we charted everything out. So we actually like handed him sheet music. We had the demos there and we would listen down. He would make notes, ask questions. And um, then, uh, then he would go out and we told him to do it once where he plays it just like as it was, you know, as it was and then play it again and like stretch out. And we did this for like the first five or six songs. And uh, finally we said, you know what? Forget about playing it straight, just stretch out, do your thing. And most of the rest of it was like the first take. Yeah. Um, it was just amazing to watch him work like that. So we did all of these songs in two days. Yeah, He's fun. amazing too, very well schooled in that uh, when he goes into a session, you play him the track and he's got a piece of paper in front of him and he just, almost as fast as it plays, he can chart out things and put in the rhythms like the lead sheets for himself. And super impressive, super pro. Yeah, I was going to make a joke. Uh, Simon Phillips, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, good addition. Aside from the, you know, the obvious hiatus and stepping away from it for a bit when, when Sean passed, how long did this take to come together, this album? I don't know. <laughs> but Mark will. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't I don't remember. Um, I'd have to look at the at the dates. I mean, I don't know, maybe like nine months or something like that. Once we actually got back together and said, OK, we're going to do this. And like then, you know, taking it over the finish line when there's artwork and it's mastered and finished and mixed and all of that kind of stuff, maybe something like that. Um, but it, it was definitely a long time. Like I said, we, we laid the foundation, you know, years before. 
do you remember at the time what what kind of music you were listening to what was kind of in your mind and inspiring you at the time when you were writing don uh, <laughs> let's see uh just at that time um i i wanted to see how different complex rhythms can go together and bring it so that it's kind of listenable and not sounding like it's uh, gymnastics and have some nice melodies together. And I guess in, the, in that time in my life with the stick, especially because you got two hands going like a, like a keyboard, um, that a lot of those things that, that I came up with were just from maybe exercises that I did. And then I would uh, always pull from my uh, youth, because I really liked Yes and Genesis, and I would think, oh, that kind of is like that. Well, let me see if I can, you know, whether I putty it all together and make something out of it. And I think at that time in my life, that's what I was really concentrating on. Uh, for me, it was definitely, uh, there was definitely a lot of Kevin Gilbert happening. Um, uh, Better View was extremely influenced by him. Um, like with the the vocal delivery and the style and everything but you know also like kind of the acoustic uh chords and what have you a little like tears for audrey or something like that um uh there's and, and actually sky is falling was demoed over a drum loop from wire train which was brian mcleod and something that uh, kevin worked on um uh castles fall i remember i was inspired by the song sahara of snow by bruford um, and it was kind of written over a, a, like a really percussive piano type part, like the beginning of that song. And Eric listened to it and he said, this doesn't sound like something I would do. Let's do it on Hammond. Um, <laughs> so we did that. Uh, uh, look at the, uh, I, um, Dream in Red, the verses were inspired by Secondhand Love by Pete Townsend. And the chorus was inspired by Mad About You by Sting. Um, and, uh, 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 Savor Every Moment was interesting in that, uh, it was written with the guitar tuning from the Rain Song by Led Zeppelin, and, uh, it was composed over a drum loop that I took from a live performance of Mariner featuring Nick DiVirgilio on drums. Good one. What song would you say was the hardest to get the vocals right for? Hmm. Uh, wow, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not the only vocalist on the record, actually. Uh, but pro probably, uh, probably better view because uh, I wanted it to be present and breathy and light. And it's really hard to stay in tune when you're doing that. Uh, so uh, it just just to, to get the right I, I find it easy to either focus on pitch or on uh, vibe and trying to get that all to come together at once was really a challenge. Since you brought it up, why don't you, why don't you talk about some of the guests that, uh, that contributed in that area? Um, David McBee uh, was a vocalist that we brought in. Eric has always been really into heavier vocals. Um, you know, he had worked on uh, music. I don't remember if Music Machine was just before this or just after this, but um, you know, that was was all like he used Glenn Hughes and Kelly Keeling and a bunch of guys like that. Um, you know, he's gone on to work with John Payne from Asia and um, 
and uh, uh, Joe Lynn Turner from Rainbow and stuff like that. So he's always really kind of liked that. And uh, so we thought that that was appropriate for some of the songs where we wanted kind of a heavier, heavier vibe. And then I would take some of the lighter type stuff. Um, so, and David McBee was someone that uh, Eric had, uh, he was touring and he, uh, uh, David was in a band that opened for them and they hit it off. And so he asked him to guest. Um, we, uh, uh, you know, Sean Guerin was the other guest along with, uh, with Greg Bissonette. Lana's brother played accordion on Enjoy the Weather. I don't know if there was anyone else on this record. I think you got them all. I think so. Uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, uh, Lana Lane alum Neil Citrin uh, engineered the record at uh, at the mothership, or engineered the drums, I should say. You guys have a, a real um, sort of family vibe when it comes to everybody playing on each other's records and, and contributing. And, and how has that been? You know, over the years, you guys have been doing this a while now. Um, are you just like super good friends and you talk to each other all the time or is it just strictly just when you got to do music you call each other up and, and get together then for me it, it's about who plays well with you and uh when i did my solo album I, we used greg ellis a lot as well uh, in the beginning and that last tour we had him go with us uh on and though he is a good friend, is an incredible drummer. And so I think first it's look at musicality and then you look at, um, do you become friends or are they easy to work with? Uh, those are the starting elements. And then uh, in this case, we all became good friends. I know uh, Mark and Eric were friends in high school and I didn't meet you guys till a lot later. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say definitely on the it's, you know, we do call each other and talk when there's no music going on, uh, you know, not like every week, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of that. I just saw Eric, actually, uh, my daughter moved up to Sacramento. And uh, so we all got COVID tested and everything. And then we drove up and my son and I visited her. And uh, Eric lives about maybe 45 minutes away from her. So I actually stopped by. In fact, I was sitting next to Eric when I received your, your Facebook message. So it was kind of funny. That's great. Uh, when you look back at this album, well, before I ask you this question, let me, let me talk about this picture behind me, the, the, uh, the artwork. Um, you guys always have very distinctive artwork on your albums. And I don't know what this, I'm, I'm not a big art guy in, in terms of, I don't know what stuff is called, I don't know what the style is called, but I really enjoy it. Can you just give us some background on that, uh, the decision I, that went into that and everything? I, I can tell you the guy's first name is Jacek. I don't remember his last name, um, but all his paintings and artwork are like that and uh, so enjoyable. I, as to what style it is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can give a little background in that um, my my wife is really my wife does, does the logos actually she did the rocket scientist and the Lana Lane logo, and um, so she's a big Harlan Ellison fan and obviously uh, Eric uh, and Lana as well are are big uh, sci-fi fans, mm -hmm. and uh, we went to a book signing of Harlan Ellison and he had partnered with Yachek uh, Yurka is his last oh, name. Oh, thank you. 
<laughs> and uh, and Harlan was doing a live appearance, and he would um, it, it was a coffee table book he was promoting, and there would be a Yurka painting, and then Harlan would write a short story inspired by the painting, and he was selling and signing copies of this book. And so uh, we said, man, that looks like something Eric and Lana would love. And so we got a signed copy and we gave it to them. And uh, this was right around the time that Lana was doing her first record and she ended up using something for the cover of Love is an Illusion. And uh, it just was a great fit. And so it became like he was used for all the Lana Lane covers up uh, or most of them up to a certain point. And uh, uh, so we eventually started using it for rocket scientists. So um, this one and Oblivion Days are both Yurka paintings. So when you look back 15 years after releasing this album, what is it that you'd like listeners of this record to sort of take with them from the listening experience? I would say for me, the quality of which it was produced, uh, the musicianship, um, you can tune into the musicianship of how they were played, um, as well as the lyrics. Everything about it is just very, very well, well written, well crafted. I even for some things like that, I go beyond whether you like the song or not. There's another level of appreciation that uh, rocket scientists has, and it is the what it takes to get it to sound like that and uh, the caliber of musicianship. I would say that would, those would be great takeaways. I would agree with that. I'd also say um, I know that it's important to Eric uh, to create a um, an atmosphere and to he he wants the user or the user. I'm thinking like <laughs> <a problem>. um, <laughs> he wants the listener to uh, be transported to another place and another time and just like to be kind of taken away and swept up in the music. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's really important now, but that's not what, how does it sweep them away? And, you know, with the rest of that, I think, um, you know, a combination of the atmosphere of the music and just kind of the, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of related to the cover. Like you say, I kind of, that's where I feel like it takes me. I'm glad you brought that up because actually that's when I listened to this and, and funnel, you know, funny story, I guess, not that funny. Maybe I was at work listening to this on the headphones and, and I, it, it does take you someplace different. It, it does take you to, and there is a mood to this album. There is a vibe to this album that uh, is kind of hard to explain, but it does go so well with the cover. And um, I think that uh, there's an atmosphere that are, you know, that's created with songs like, Castles Fall, Enjoy the Weather, and um, uh, Better View. I think those especially take you to a, a, just a place. I can't even really put it in words, so I'm stuttering a little bit. But it, it does it does have its own atmosphere, and it, ha it has its own universe almost. So, what was your favorite? My favorite? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really like um, Enjoy the Weather. I, I don't. I can't really put my finger on what I like about it, but I just could listen to that album or that song over and over.
that one, um, that one, actually, you'd asked me about inspiration, and I was getting into kind of like the subject matter and that kind of thing, and what Eric did with the production. But honestly, the, the very first thing that inspired that song was that I borrowed a guitar from a friend of mine. And it was a, uh, a baritone guitar. I'd never played one before. And I feel like that song just fell out of it because that's the that that's the sound that you hear that starts the song and that runs throughout. Um, it's just a real unique kind of sound. let you guys uh get on with your lives uh, is there anything you're working on now that you want to promote well don, uh, don, and I, don and i are collaborating on some stuff we put out a a, a reworked version of avalon uh it's been a few months ago now um and we've got a couple other things that we've worked on and and i don't know you know maybe uh I'd love for it to turn into a new original project. Uh, I don't know, maybe it, it turns into some reworked things and some covers and some this and that. But I love so, that idea. Yeah, I mean, we're doing it where it goes, but we, we're definitely working together. Yeah, didn't we have a name too? Yes, uh, the Radiant <laughs> Blur. Oh, good one, good one. All right. Hey, now that I see you, Mark, it has been a little bit, I've been bouncing around a lot, but... Uh, let me call you and we will get cracking on that. I've got my studio back up in the new place, so we'll do it. All right. And we uh, uh, and then I mentioned before that we're working on the uh, live recording uh, that should be. I'm not even really sure how you release things anymore, to be honest, but uh, it'll find its way out and uh, yeah. hopefully people will be able to enjoy it. Any idea how soon? I'm ready. No. Uh, all right. We're all right. Well, I mean, it, the thing is, there's the Eric is working on on Lana's project, so right. it's either gonna squeak in right before they get it done, or it's gonna have to wait for a little bit. So we'll yeah. we'll see. It'll be worth it if it's a wait. I, as I recall, that was an incredible concert. It was a cool show. Um, you know, Greg Ellis, I think, was uh, it was really cool having Greg along. Greg mm -hmm. has always felt like. Uh, you know, a, a member of Rocket Scientist, but he had always been too busy uh, to actually commit to like being in the band and going on tour and stuff like that. So that was actually the first show that he played with us, although he's shown up on our recordings many times. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. Fun guy to watch too. Well, Don Schiff, Mark McCrite of Rocket Scientist, thank you so much for being with me, telling me about this album. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Thank Michael. You. A pleasure. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. For the free newsletter version, subscribe at substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.